Pace Line is supported by LEL Cycling. The coast is calling. LEL's shore collection embodies the spirit and style of the California coast. All LEL products are crafted in Southern California for shipment worldwide. Now, on to the show. From Red Kite Prayer, this is The Pace Line, the podcast on two wheels. I'm Patrick Brady, and with me is my co-host, Celine Yeager, a.k.a. the Fit Chick of Bicycling Magazine. Each week, we take a look at how cycling fits in our lives. Hey, Celine, did you have a fun Easter? I did have a fun Easter. It seems like so long ago at this point already, <laughs> because time is a lot like that, right? But uh, uh, it, it stretches a little. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And compresses and then does other things. But uh, yeah, not to get into the theory of relativity, but it was a it was a very fun Easter. We we went to this amazing place in New Jersey. It's like a hidden gem called Grounds for Sculpture. And it's uh, yeah, it used to be the New Jersey State Fairgrounds, I think. But it's it's I don't know how many acres in this. It's quite large. And it's it's these well-appointed, vast gardens with some some of the sculptures are, are as big as houses almost, and some are very small, and they're all sort of thematic and hidden within the, these gardens, and it's just, it's super cool. It's just really, I'm a big sucker for that kind of thing, and it's just, uh, yeah, so we did that on Saturday and went for some bike rides and just good weekend, hunt, paint hunted eggs, all that kind of stuff. Yourself? <laughs> uh, so I went to uh, a place that was kind of middle of nowhere for California, uh, the town of Maxwell. And hmm. there was a, a grasshopper event, not part of the adventure series. It was the, a special event. So I didn't have to worry about like, you know, what kind of points I was going to collect toward the overall series. <laughs> um, it was called the, the Huffmaster. And so this is... Calusa County, which I bet most people who have never lived in California have never even heard of. This is a town that in any decent sports car, you could pass through the entirety of with the car floored while inhaling. Uh, it's, wow. It's a tiny okay. little place. It is exactly one exit off of the five freeway. But the place... The, the ride that we did, I mean, I can't say Maxwell itself is beautiful, but the place that we went, uh, we did this large counterclockwise loop uh, to the west out of Maxwell and got up into, you know, some some pretty decent climbing. Uh, I saw the was, pictures. It looked amazing. It looked really beautiful. Very, very green. Verdant. I, yeah. So, I mean, yeah, after a winter like we've had, I mean... By rights, we deserve one or two yes. little payoffs for that, right? Totally agree. I was thinking, though, it looks like Ireland. I mean, it's really yeah. green. Yeah, it was. Yeah. And and the green was one of those things that. Uh, how to put it? it it's I don't know. The, it's green. The green. The green was like a good looking suit. And then all the wildflowers were like that crazy tie that makes you go. That dude knows how to dress. Nice. Yeah. 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 That's a good, good metaphor. I didn't even, I I didn't even get all the California poppies that I wanted. And (laughs) 
everyone I have spoken to who was there got back to the finish going, dude, this was awesome. And because it wasn't part of the series and I didn't have to worry about being a go fast guy, I wrote it with a friend and she's kind of new to gravel riding. And I mm-hmm. decided, you know, I, I just, I want to be, I want to have a good time. I want to be with a friend. I want to be supportive. So I'll give her a draft when she wants it. I will get the hell out of the way when she wants to drill it. Uh, I will ride next to her when it's appropriate and we can just chat. I just want to have a nice, pleasant day. Prior to Saturday, I've done six events this season and it was raining for five of them. Okay. Mm -hmm. I think I was due for a pretty day and by gum, I got it Saturday. It was awesome. That's awesome. You know, just you get back to the finish and you see all these friends because the grasshoppers aren't big and people tend to do the uh, well, a lot of people do the series. Um, I got to see friends who I see over and over and over. And so, you know, we're having beer, eating Mexican food, catching up. It, it was just it, the day could not have been better. It was a really special day. And I think every cyclist needs a day like that here or there. Not that I want to brag about what a lovely day I had. And okay, I am bragging a little, but it was one of those days that I'd like to see every cyclist on the planet have that once on once in a while where Mm -hmm. you just go out and the wind is right and the temperature's right and the sun is shining and you get some vistas that make you go, I am so glad I'm here right now. That's, I mean, to me, that's one of the great payoffs of cycling. And it's the sort of thing that you can get complacent about if you if it happens too much. But this was one of those days where it came at just the right point in the season and it came with just the right company that I got home from that and thought, okay, my glass, it is full. That's awesome. That's a that is a very good day on the bike. Yeah. Yeah. And then I'm going to not counterbalance it, but I'm going to go out and kill myself this coming weekend. <laughs> we'll get to that. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right. To be continued. Yeah. Uh, please lead us out. Uh, well, you, you sort of like gave a little half draft because I, I want to talk too about spring and events. Uh, you know, they, the whole idea that hope springs eternal. And I just find that spring is hope eternal. And it's, mm-hmm. I love, I love this time of year. And we are having, as I keep mentioning, but it, it just is, it's, it's one of the things I love about being here is that it can go from, you know, that like March, early March, where there's the snow and the ice are leaving and it's still very white and brown and stark. And then just within a few weeks, it just explodes like the, the, the world just comes to technicolor life. Right. And we are in the peak of technicolor rebirth right now. It's just the all the different shades of green and the pinks and the dogwoods and the purples and the ground cover. It's just magnificent. So I've been super just loving it. And the and it's been, you know, cool air and warm sun and breezy and just all the things that are good about April. Um, and, you know, and it's that time of year where there's like an amazing event every weekend. 
And that mm-hmm. was just, you know, just kind of one of the things that I was really thinking about, especially, you know, last night and going into this weekend is that, you know, we spent a lot of time talking about big events, you know, and I, I, I would consider the grasshoppers at this point kind of a big event, you know, they're very well known and there's, mm-hmm. you know, that people travel for them in dirty Kansas and the lot. But I find that it's the super local stuff that really feeds my soul. And I'm talking about like, I don't, I don't know if this kind of scene exists everywhere, but here it's very prolific that we have a lot of, a lot of races and rides and little urban adventures that the, you ride places that, that you just nobody even knows exist, or you wouldn't really thinking about doing anything bike related in these places. <laughs> like last <laughs> night, um, it kicked off the six 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 Cinder Race series, which uh, is run by <laughs> one of our local bike. Yeah, I know. <laughs> it's run by one of our local bike shops. Um, the entry fee is a six pack. There are okay. six races in the series. Each race is six miles around these cinder banks. And I, I think it's just like, I could be wrong. I could be making this up. But it looks like just the giant mounds of cinders that the town crews leave for like when it snows, you know, or to fill oh, okay. potholes or something. Uh-huh. Um, so it's like you, you take a couple blocks off of town, like it's off of the main street, which is in Hellertown, a town by Bethlehem, Pennsylvania. And before you know it, you're... There's like, there's some, there's some woods, you know, I wouldn't call it a forest, but it's woods like you would see in a city or a town. And mm-hmm. there's fishermen trails and streams and industrial stuff and ruins, you know, of like buildings that used to be there and railroad yep. tie, like all that stuff. And they just set up this really fun racetrack through it all that makes use of all of it. And, you know, like people just come and, you you know, I race my single speed because why not? Um, <laughs> and it's just it's it's just, you know, the winner takes home beer and or, you know, there's some kids that show up and they bring like uh, six packs of eight treat birch beer and stuff. So it's um, yeah, but it's just like it's technical enough to keep you on your toes. There's always a couple of people that wash out somewhere and crash. It's it's really it's really, it's just like the best in my mind of like everything that cycling is. And, it, you know, it's just like these people who, who have a bike shop there who they would spend some time just like banging around and playing around in the BMX bikes and, you know, doing some stuff on cross bikes. And all of a sudden they're like, we should have people here. We should, we should do something with this. And it's, it's very similar, though, in a bigger way to this race I'm going to do this weekend which has also now it's growing. It's it's not so little anymore. But it it's the uh, Lulaco White Lulaco Waiko Hundo, which is a mouthful. <laughs> um, Lulaco Lulaco Waiko Hundo. So it's Luzerne, okay. Lackawanna, Wycombe counties. Those are all like uh-huh. northern Pennsylvania counties that you go through. And Hundo is just hundred miler. Um, and it honestly is hands down one of the hardest hundred milers that I do. It, it racks up close to 10,000 feet of climbing and okay. it's Pennsylvania climbing, which means there's no one climb. <laughs> it's just, <laughs> you know what I mean? It's just always yeah. climbing. Um, I actually wrote up this ride for Lonely Planet's Epic Bike Rides that's going to come out later this year, I think in August. Um, uh-huh. It's creation of a friend of mine, Pat Engelman. Uh, he basically cobbled together this big, ridiculous century that traces the trajectory of his childhood. 
from mm. like banging around these sketchy trails, like the, the cinder pass that we just raced on last night, you know, through strands of woods, through these little coal towns. Um, you know, in the event itself, we like literally there's a left turn at a vacuum cleaner that's been there forever in the woods. Like you go <laughs> and you turn left at the vacuum and you go through these crazy single track trails that probably just kids built. Um, maybe Pat built them himself. 30 years ago. I don't, I don't honestly know. And then it goes, you know, around like some of his old stomping grounds and around these lakes where he used to spend the summer and past these sketchy dive bars that he used to go in. And, you know, then you just go, you go way out. Like you're in the legit back roads of Northern Pennsylvania. Um, And it's just, it's amazing. The first, it's so funny. The first time we did it, I think this is the sixth year, uh, maybe the seventh, somewhere around there. But the first time we did it, there were six Strava segments on the whole damn thing. 100 miles, six. That's okay. how remote it is. Yeah. Like, I, I went to Strava and I was like, wow, there's six things that somebody's ridden and barely anybody had ridden them. Um, it's, gotten, it's gotten bigger now, but that, it's, just, it's just that far out. And I think that, I think the allure of all of this for me is not just like the, these roads and even though those roads would be lore enough. It's just, it's the story and like the random wonderfulness of all these kind of rides and, and races and what it tells me about my community and the, the place I live and the, like what knits us all together. I don't know. I don't know if it's, it is just a local thing or if other communities have similar sort of underground kind of stuff, but I don't know. I have stopped for more Dried meats and sips out of whiskey flasks in abandoned buildings in Pennsylvania than I can count. And uh, I don't know. It just reminds me of this common thread that that runs through our community. And, and, you know, even though, like, some of them are races and some of them are not officially races and some of them just rides, like, it's, it's just that undercurrent is what is what brings me back to all of it. And I don't, I don't know. I don't even know if I have a question here. I just... Do you have anything sort of, I know, I, I know you've mentioned you don't have the same kind of community where you live, but I wonder if you even, you're, you're knowing what I'm talking about. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, it's different. Uh, you know, I, I can't say I've, I've stopped in an abandoned building and had cured meats and sips of whiskey. Dude, these uh, people carry like octopus. They carry tins of octopus. You know, I, I'm not kidding you. Like we stop and like all of a sudden... You know, there's the vape pens and there's the whatever. All, there's all that going on. But then there's like tins of fish and octopus and somebody pulls out like a Lander Yager sausage and a knife and, and there's whiskey. I'm just like, OK, we're, this is what we're doing. And then we'll continue our ride. But and it's in these places you'd be like, that, that's where the Blair Witch lives. But no, that's actually a really good rest stop on a, on any given ride. Not by myself. <laughs> I like if I was by myself, I wouldn't be like, I'm going to go in there and see what that's all about. But these guys evidently do. And then put together these rides, you know, that go to these places. That's awesome. Uh, there, uh, there's a, a group of, of riders here, uh, in Sonoma County. They call them the, they do these rides that they call the scum rides, S C U M B. And I, don't even remember what that's an acronym for, but they will, uh, you know, on a weeknight, they'll meet at uh, 5, 536, somewhere in there, and they'll ride up in, into Anadel Park and they will do some sort of picnic type thing. And Jeremy Seasip, the frame builder, has 
a barbecue bike. It's a, oh nice. A, it's a cargo bike with a, a porteur rack on the front that carries a little barbecue unit, and there's a back rack with a cutting board on it. And I mean, it is a self-propelled party. And I, I've missed all, almost every one of the scum rides because that, that early evening time is the boys and me. I've picked them up from school. And so I, for me to get out then is just not really a thing that can happen one of these days. Yeah. But I, what you're alluding to is something that you know, you, you do need the catalyst. You need the instigator. You need the person who has that curious idea of what a good time is. Totally. Somebody who's willing to color outside the lines. And, you know, we've got a few people here like that. We do. And I think there are, you know, there's somebody like that in every community. To me, the only real question is, is the rest of the community willing to shut up long enough and listen to them and go, you know, that's crazy, but that's the kind of crazy we need right now. And I mean, yeah, it, whatever I can do to celebrate people like that who kind of shake up the routine of just going out for a hard ride and high-fiving everybody and then going home, anybody who does something to break that pattern and make an ordinary ride something crazy and memorable. You know, we, uh, you know, if I could do a random semi-anonymous, uh, you know, big tent statue to everybody who's ever come up with a ride like that, I would love to do that, you know, with a plaque at the bottom and mm -hmm. just start listing names of people. It's like, these people are crazy and we need them in our community. So... I, 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 yeah, I dig it. I dig what you're talking about. And I, you know, I feel like I need to spend a month in Pennsylvania hanging out with you and Brian Ignaton and, you know, some other folks I know back there and just do a month of spring in Pennsylvania to see what your scene is about, because you just keep making it sound more and more attractive. It, it, you know, I, the, I've, I've, I've traveled a lot and it, I can say it is, it's, it's special. I mean, it, it, the, the, the scene is special for sure. And I, I'm not, I'm not sure how it became so, but I'm very grateful for it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and that's the best part is that when you realize that somebody is doing something that as crazy and unusual and as mold breaking as it may be, it's the sort of thing that does satisfy a different piece of that sense of community that you get out of being a cyclist. Yeah, for sure. For sure. And, and to your point, you do, you have to surrender that, that training part on those rides. Cause I mean, these guys will go hard and they'll blow your doors off in some ways, but they, they, they also, they like to chill, you know, <laughs> like it's definitely, you have to, you have to play to both, both sides of that spectrum. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I mean, not every ride should be the same as evidenced by, you know, what I was talking about this past weekend. Yeah. Yeah. You for know, sure. I never actually, <laughs> I got, I got smacked on the drive home. I was asked, um, what my heart, high heart rate was uh, <laughs> for the entire ride. And 
I, you know, I was thinking it was not very high at all um, and was kind of <laughs> worried about even revealing that. And then I, 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 I look and it was like, oh, my high heart rate was 146 and I got it on a descent. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, that's not bad. <laughs> that's funny. Well, it, you know, those were the only times on that ride that I permitted myself to just kind of let it all hang out. Yeah. Because I knew we would break up. I knew we would break up on the descents. And so I just wanted to have fun. And I hadn't realized that coming out of some of the tight turns, I had spread it quite so hard. <laughs> well, that's, so, that's, that's, yeah, that's great. Yeah. <laughs> cool. Cool. So what do you have for us this week? So I'm going to take on a question this week. It wasn't one particularly raised by any one person, but it's something that has come up in comments at RKP in conversations with friends on rides. And, you know, even you, Celine, have raised it with me. It's the cyclist version of Superman versus Batman. The question being, which is more important, weight or aerodynamics? Ah, uh, yes. It is one and that I... Yep. Mm -hmm. It's a really valid question. You can pick up measurable time on a climb by taking three pounds off a bike. You absolutely can and acceleration on a light bike is noticeably different. So consider this. At a constant speed on flat ground, a light bike does you no favors. Sure, it helps in acceleration, but mm -hmm. once you're at speed, that lower weight does nothing. On a climb, a light bike helps as there's less, over mass, uh, less overall mass for gravity to work on. But... <laughs> We're mm -hmm. at a point of diminishing returns with weight. Taking a half pound off a 10 pound bike right, may right. make a bigger difference than taking the same amount off a 20 pound bike, right? It's a, a greater overall percentage of the weight of the bike, but it's getting harder and harder to remove that weight. And the cost to remove a half pound from a 20 pound bike is a quarter of what it costs to do so from a 14 pound bike. Plus taking any weight off an already light bike means going to increasingly fragile materials. So we have hit an inflection point with bikes where we are seeing a nearly exponential increase in cost to remove weight only to end up with a more delicate machine. So that's a point that I think is really worth thinking about. The biggest single obstacle to a cyclist going faster, though, is wind resistance. Here's one of the mm -hmm. more mind-blowing pieces of math an engineer friend, my, friend of mine once laid on me. The difference between going 25 miles per hour and 28 miles per hour is something we would generally express as three miles per hour, right? Yeah. But it can also be expressed as 100%. That is, what do you if mean? you go from... <laughs> Check this out. <laughs> I'm not super mathy, but I didn't follow that at all. So well, I'll, I'll let you continue. Yeah. Go ahead. We, we will back into this. So to go from 25 miles per hour to 28 miles per hour, you must double your wattage, a 100% okay, okay. increase in wattage to increase by three miles per hour because wind resistance is a squared function. Okay. Uh, and so every time you want to up your speed by a mile per hour, you're putting out noticeably more wattage. Uh, it, that's why, you know, a, a guy who's doing 36 miles per hour on a bike is, that's a pretty mind-blowing thing. Right, uh, right. Yeah. 
I've gotten to spend time in a couple of different wind tunnels and the gains you can make mm-hmm. just in terms of position and clothing are enormous. More oh, yeah. than 10 years oh, yeah. ago. No, I, I was at the one in North Carolina once, just once. Uh-huh. But it it was uh yeah, it is it is. You have to hold those positions. But go ahead. I mean, you, you... Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh so my friend Dave Casel, who is mm-hmm. the former road product manager oh, yeah. for Felt Bikes and now runs the Roval product line at Specialized. Yep. Super Dave, as he's known, yep. told me that the bike industry was already at a point that all the gains left to be realized and making a, go, a bike go faster were really in aerodynamics. And this was 2008. Huh. Here's another data point, uh, a brief, funny little anecdote. So back when Alberto Contador rode for a team that was sponsored by Zip, he rode only their 202 tubular. That was their mm-hmm. lightest, lowest profile rim, which was at that time, literally the slowest wheel Zip made. But they couldn't get him off those rims because they were Zip's lightest wheels. And they'd look at his TT times and they'd calculate all the time that he was giving up because of those wheels, because he refused to ride the 404. I that totally get that. I totally get that, though. I, I, I know that sounds crazy, but he feel like you feel like it's he- when you feel something's heavier. I mean, he should have been able to look at his times. Couldn't they do a head by head, head to head comparison there? Wait, they you could have. If they could have gotten him to ride the four four. <laughs> they couldn't even get him to ride it. He just he'd kind of you know throw up his hands and, and walk away or something. Uh, yeah, uh, I mean. I'll, I'll get to an experience that I had with the 404 years ago um, before we get there, though. So I once went to a wind tunnel to do some comparison testing of my own. And literally, I was the guinea pig in the wind tunnel. Here are a couple things I learned while freezing my butt off in a 28 mile per hour wind. <laughs> you can realize as big a gain in aerodynamics just by shaving your legs, wearing a form fitting kit and putting on an aero helmet as you can by buying a pair of Zip 404s. Yep, yep. And those 404s are worth aerodynamically rough what a good aero frame is. You put those things together, shaved legs, snug kit, aero helmet, aero wheels, and an aero frame, and basically the effort you used to have to put out at 25 miles per hour will almost get you to 28 miles per hour. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, yeah. I, I, I totally, I, I had this whole conversation um, with it when I wrote a piece on aerodynamics about this and, and it gets even crazier, right? Like now they're adding appliques and stuff to jerseys yep. because there's something, and I'm going to get out of my league real fast. Um, but <laughs> being, you, you, it can be too smooth, kind of like the golf ball, but the golf ball is not really the right analogy. Um, so they no, need to do really something close. to sort of rough it up. So it, Yep. Yes. Uh, but they're creating putting these a things on shoulders. Layer. Yeah. And mm-hmm. on um, because of the skin friction, like, it's crazy. Like the whole aerodynamic science is nuts. And, be, and your yes. point about legs is well taken because they're giant cylinders, really, if you look at the shape. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. I, 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 I'm hearing everything you're saying. And yet I have to say that when I get on a heavier aerodynamic bike it's it's still hard for me to wrap my mind around 
that I'm going, and I would have to do head by head comparisons that I'm going faster uphill because it doesn't feel that way. Mm-hmm. You know, that there's this whole science that like that, that aerodynamics matter still more when you're going uphill until about 6%. Have you heard that? Yeah. Yeah. There is a break point that they talk about. And um, I, I don't, I, when it come, when, when the ground tips up, that's where it all kind of goes south for me. <laughs> Damon Reinard, uh, who worked on that Cannondale System 6 you've been riding lately, back when he was at Cervelo, he would occasionally write posts for a blog that Cervelo had. Uh-huh. Um, and he wrote one piece, we're going back, I don't know, 2007 or something. He wrote one in which he kind of compared the difference between riding a traditional lightweight climbing pair of wheels and a set of 404s, and, uh, or was it, no, it was a regular road frame versus an aero frame. That's what it was, because that's the business Cervelo was in. Right. But he did the math, and he said, you know, the light frame, sure, that's a good thing to be on, but the aero frame will get you more speed. It will get you more time. Um and, you know, it's the thing, you can't just look at the climbs. What you have to look hmm. at is the whole of the day. Okay, maybe you're a little slower on the climbs, taken as an absolute value, okay? But when you look at how much less you have to work in the peloton, and then how much faster you right. can potentially go on the descent, that... You know, that extra little output that you're going to have to do to maintain the speed you would on a, on a lighter right. bike is really not right. that big a deal. And so you end up getting yeah. to the end of the day having uh, burned fewer calories, having exerted fewer watts, uh, you know, fewer kilojoules. And that was something that really made an impression on me. And it was a short time after that that Super Dave and I had our conversation about aerodynamics. And ever since then, Uh, I've been a believer. I have stopped caring about having the absolute lightest equipment. I would much rather have something aerodynamic. Uh, At minimum, you know, I want a helmet that makes uh, some sort of nod toward good aerodynamics. I try mm -hmm. to keep my legs shaved. And I want, if at all possible an aero set of wheels on my bike. And it really does make a big difference because once I get back on a gravel bike and I don't have those aero wheels, yeah, I notice it. Yeah. You feel it. I notice yeah, it in a hurry. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, I think it's really worth it. Um, but yeah, it's just, I, Oh, the four fours, the little story I was going to tell you. So yeah, years and years ago, uh, I was riding a set of, uh, 404 tubulars. This is pre-Firecrest. So the 404s weren't even as fast back then as they are now. And I'm inside the pack. It's a training ride. I know backward, forward, sideways. And we're on the straightaway coming up on a hard right-hand turn, 90 degrees. And it was the sort of turn where there was a little room to kind of swing out before cutting in. Mm-hmm. And I'm sitting in the group And I'm coasting, waiting to start, you know, cutting in for the turn. And all of a sudden, I'm rolling up on the riders in front of me. I'm catching them while coasting. 
And the only difference between what my, what I was huh. riding that day and what I'd been on the previous week, the wheels. Yeah, no, I totally believe that. They make a huge difference. When you look at those numbers, it's, an, it's enormous. Yeah, yeah. One of the things that I've liked to, to put forward to readers when I talk about aerodynamic equipment is I, I want to disabuse people of this thought of savings. Oh, you're going to save six watts here. Right, uh, right. Oh, you're going you know, to gain two seconds there. I don't really think of it that way. Because that's not, practically speaking, how aerodynamic equipment functions in my world. When I'm doing group rides and I've got aero equipment, what it does is it makes it easier for me to get to the front of the ride. And if I can get to the front of the ride, then I can kill myself. Because if you're working hard just to stay in the pack, you don't get the same sort of workout that you do if you actually put your nose in the wind. And so I look at it through the lens of aero equipment is going to actually help me get a better workout by actually allowing me to get to the front, put my nose in the wind and shred myself. Huh. And there you have it. Yeah. Because, I mean, the thing was, I, you know, this was one of those things that had to emerge for me. I had to get home from a half dozen different rides where I'd been on aero equipment and go, Good Lord, I'm on this faster equipment, but I am absolutely destroyed. I need to just yeah. sit here for a minute. And that's when I started putting it together. It was like, oh, it was easier to get to the front. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's an, it, it, so much. There's so, there's so much to this little sport of ours. It's like, so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, it's, oh. it's, it, it is interesting. It's interesting. And, uh, you know, the, the, the aero bikes, they, they they hold their momentum very well, I find. Yeah, 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 absolutely. So it's it's a neat thing, and you know when you when you kind of put all those pieces together, of you know bike wheels kit. I mean the 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 difference that it makes is truly remarkable, um, and I mean seriously, one of the biggest things people can do. I I sometimes kid about skirts. Uh, you know you'll see. Uh, you'll see riders sometimes with a, a, a jersey that's just too big for them and yeah. the, the back pockets are sitting where the hip pockets are on their jeans are. And something that's flapping like that, you're just, you're losing, you're giving up so much. You're losing so much in terms of aerodynamic advantage. So just wearing something a little more form fitting, you know, shaving those legs and getting a quicker helmet, that alone will make a big difference. Uh, and so it's, you know, it's, I don't think everybody needs to go out and drop two grand or three grand or four grand on a set of wheels, but there's a lot, there's a lot to be gained. Yeah. And it, and well, and I think more, I think more than that, you know, I, I, I agree that, 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 you know, just that's not a necessary purchase by any means, but I also think that it just, it gives you more food for thought of where you do invest your money. If depending on your goals, right? Like, yeah, 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 right. Yeah. And the great thing to me is that no matter what your budget is, there's something out there that'll help. Oh, for sure. For sure. I mean, just like you're saying the helmet alone, like it's amazing. Mm -hmm. And they don't even have to be like, well, and I did Iron Man. I had that ludicrous sail on top of my head. Um, <laughs> you know, they're so much better now. <laughs> yes. 
Yeah, and you still, you still, it's still an amazing, amazing uh, savings. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. All righty. Well, what do you say, Paceline Picks? Sure thing. Uh, I I'm a little late to the party on lace up shoes. I recognize. I have, <laughs> I have, I have yet. This is the first time my. My pick this week is the Giro Empire VR90 women's uh, mountain bike shoe, which are lace-up. I have not ever tried them. And hmm. uh, have you have you ridden lace-up shoes? Is, is, yes, is I have. Yes, yeah, I've um, I've got both Shimano and and the Giros. Yes, yeah. This is this is my first foray into them, and it helps that they're shiny and purple because shiny and <laughs> shiny purple things are always a win. Uh, you know, I have to say, it took me. You know, I just threw them on for this. I, I did that cinder crit in them because why wouldn't I? And, um, you know, I just threw them on and I didn't adjust them at all. And they were like too a little too tight. I, I find Giro's a little narrow. But, you know, taking the time today to actually loosen them up and, you know, loosen them where I want them and tighten them where I also want them. I'm impressed. Like I was I was I fiddle with my boa shoes quite a bit. Uh, mm-hmm. So I was a little nervous that I wouldn't be able to fiddle with my laces because that's not a thing. But I did, I never really felt like I needed to fiddle with my laces. And that surprised mm-hmm. me. That, that, that honestly did surprise me. Yeah. Back when the Empire first came out, I was on a group ride and one of my teammates, you know, a guy I'd done, I don't know, 20,000 miles with, uh, he and I had been riding for years together. He looked down at my feet and he's like, well, how do you tighten them up for a sprint? And right. I was like, why would you need to tighten them up? Uh, because we you both do. We were both just looking at each other, shaking That's our heads like so I can't funny. wrap my head around, uh, around that. Uh, total disconnect for each of us. And, you know, the thing that I recognized once I had played around with them some was the fact that, you know, with a lace-up shoe, like like the Empire, you have seven points of adjustment. You know, every time a lace passes through an eyelet, that's a point of adjustment. That allows you to dial that fit some. And so you actually have a greater ability to decide, okay, it's going to be tight here, loose mm-hmm, here, mm-hmm. tight up here. And so dialing that fit really is a thing that you can manage. And that's what made me a believer. Look, when the when the Empire was first announced, I I may even have tweeted it, uh, but I I did definitely say to a friend, you know, there was a reason we stopped using laces. Right. There I may have been a lot four of people or five. Like, yeah. But you know, to to Jiro's credit, every single one of those uh, reasons that we had kicked them to the curb, so to speak. They addressed, okay? They weren't, they aren't cotton laces, so they don't break anymore. Right, right. They reinforced the eyelets so that they're not pulling through anymore. They created a place for you to tuck the laces so they don't wind up between the chain and a chain ring. You know, those were the three big ones, and they're all conquered. So, yeah, it's it's neat. Um, I've just started wearing a pair of the new knit version. I was going to ask, oh, what do you think of them? It's pretty neat. Uh, I haven't gotten them out on a really hot ride. I missed my opportunity earlier this week because we're skipping almost directly from winter to summer. Mm. Uh, (laughs) Yeehaw. (laughs) 
so when they arrived late last summer, I didn't really have a chance to, to ride them then. And so now I'm breaking them out and it's a really handsome shoe, but the breathability of this shoe and the, the flexibility of the upper, how supple it is. Jiro's onto something with that. Is it too really supple? Something. I have to ask that just because I was testing uh, and still have been riding those new specialized road shoes that are Dyneema mesh mm-hmm. that are like slippers with a sole. And mm-hmm. I, I'm, I find myself missing the upper I, mm. on long rides. I find myself... With a different kind of foot fatigue. I, I haven't put my my finger on it. And I, I like the shoe. I, I, I keep going back and I keep trying it. But I definitely, because I have always worn pretty structured shoes, I am definitely yep. finding myself missing that. But you say you're, it's not just that you're missing it. It's that you're encountering uh, a, a fresh kind of fatigue. It's that there's, yeah, my, my feet are definitely, and that's what I, when I say I'm missing it, I feel like I'm physically missing it. I feel like mm-hmm. there's something not being supported that my foot's used to being supported. Well, l- let's circle back after I've had a few more rides on these. I haven't had that sense myself, but it may be that this shoe does offer a little bit more support than what you're in. Uh, that'll be yeah, and it depends to, what the footbed is too. I mean, I imagine. I mean, the, what I'm liking about the uh, these Giros I have is they've got that uh, molded vibrant uh, out outsole, and they've got they're kind of like that nice. They've got a nice insole as well. Um, yeah. You know, I have a flat foot, so I don't I don't actually like a ton of arch. You know, but I like a little mm. support. It, it just sort of sort of depends. But yeah, I, there's definitely something with that. Very, very uh, supple upper, almost like a slipper, you know, a riding slipper that mm-hmm. my, jur- my jury is still trying to figure out. So, yeah, let's definitely well, circle back. If it's that. allowing your foot to roll in the shoe so that you're having to compensate, you know, use muscle tension to kind of keep your foot in a static position. Yeah, that would wear you out. Yeah. Hmm. So, hmm. All righty. Yeah, we'll uh, see. Yeah, well, let's let's circle back at some point. Well, given all our talk of aerodynamics, my pick today goes to that. I'm going with the Zip 454 wheel, uh, mm. or wheels, I should say, the, the wheel set. These are the wheels that were introduced uh, two years ago and look a bit like an inverted saw blade. In relative terms, they are roughly the depth of the 404s, but offer the aerodynamics of a rim more like the 808, a significantly deeper rim. In oh, absolute yeah. terms, the 404 is 58 millimeters deep. 808, 82 millimeters deep. The 454 ranges between 53 and 58 millimeters deep. So at times, not even as deep as the 404. The thing about this wheel isn't just that it is mind-bogglingly fast, which it is, it's that it handles as well as Zip's 45-millimeter deep 303s. I've got the 404s and the 303s, as well as, for, for some time, uh, the 454. And this is the most stable, deep-section rim I have ever encountered in my life. Yes, a set of them is four grand, but honestly, <laughs> if you gave me a... Yeah, I know. Another deep breath. Uh, <laughs> 
If you gave me a choice between dropping $1,500 on a pretty good set of wheels and having to spend a whole additional season saving my shekels for a set of wheels more than twice as expensive, hmm. I'd keep saving. Hmm. They are that good. Yeah, yeah. no, I mean, I, a set of a set of wheels can be like a better than a brand new bike. I, it's people who who haven't tried that, it would they would be shocked. I, I I appreciate what you're saying, but then I mean, when you say like, oh my, it's like four grand for wheels. That's what makes really good bikes so expensive. Is yeah. a lot of times it's really great wheels. Yeah. And I, I mean, I, I get that some people are going to look at that number and, and they're going to see, well, there goes my next bike. If you've got a nice bike, you know, stick with the nice bike, get yourself the, just mm-hmm. a killer set of wheels. It's, you know, it's one thing to have like a $600 set of wheels that you use, you know, just, just for those roughest rides, a, a set of wheels you don't mind really kind of banging up. But when you're going to talk you know, deep section rims, making sure that you're not buying something that's V-shaped, you know, that's, that comes to a point at the spoke bed, but has been rounded the way Envy's SES series wheels and Zips Firecrust wheels are. Uh, it makes a huge difference. The handling is just so different. If, if somebody contacts me and offers uh, to send me a set of aero wheels and I find out that it's a V-section, I just pass. Interesting. I don't even want to be on those wheels anymore because they handle so poorly. Wow. Yeah. Good to know. I, the very first time I rode the 808s, right when they first came out, mm-hmm. uh, the, the guy who was the product manager for Zip back then, Andy Paskins, he took me out for a ride and we were up in the hills of Palos Verdes and we came around a bend. It's the afternoon. This is a spot I know like the voice of my mom. And we come around this little bend and I'm expecting to be caught by the wind coming off the ocean and pushing over the hillside and nothing happened. There was no input on the bike. And I thought it was some sort of parlor trick. I I was like, Andy, what's going on with these wheels? (laughs) (laughs) I'd read the press release, but I just hadn't begun to comprehend what those wheels were. Wow. Yeah. Neat stuff. Cool. Oh, so, uh, You've had some neat stuff on bicycling lately. Uh, which what you want to talk up? Well, yeah, it's been a it, it's been all over the map this week. I it, you know there's I always talk study stuff, and I, I the, the study stuff I, I wrote up this week is is not new, but it's just your 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 regular reminder to please stand up once in a while. There's there's <laughs> this new new survey data out that we are we are sitting even more than ever. And it's, you know, it's just like all that sedentary time is really, really bad for you. And I think the thing to take home from this one was that uh, we're spending about an hour more on uh, screens, you know, not necessarily a phone, but like sitting down using computers during leisure time has become like a problem. So, (laughs) you know, try to shut the laptop and get in motion because it's just... Uh, you can counteract all your daytime sitting, but you you need to do it. You need to get up. You can't you can't come home and plop in front of your computer and surf the web, and all of a sudden two hours are gone. Um, so that's my little public service announcement. The, the other the other piece that I wanted to just briefly touch on is you know occasionally a bike comes in to the office, and I'm just like, what the hell am I going to do with that? You know, like I, everybody's. <laughs> Everybody sees the ones that are hot and just like, oh, I love your job, you know. But like, you know, you, you test everything, right? And then, you know, sometimes 
most things, it's hard to find a bad bike, let's be clear. But there are definitely ones yeah. that I see and I'm just like, oh, I just don't know. And I've got to tell you, this Jameis Dragonfly 26 inch plus uh, Pro came in. And I was like, what am I going to do with a 26 inch plus hardtail here? Like, what is that? Yeah, like, what are what you going to do? Exactly. Like, what is this bike? Um, and I love when a bike just pleasantly surprises me. And it really pleasantly surprised me. Because the, the that wheel size, so it says three inch WTB wheels on it, um, or tires mm-hmm. rather. So it sets up very close to a 27, um, yep. which is... Uh, which is a great size, you know, especially for, you know, smaller riders. And when you when I got the tire pressure set correctly, which for me was about 13, mm-hmm. the bike just really was really just fun. I mean, it wasn't going I wasn't going to set any QOMs on it. I wasn't going to do like win any races, but you know, I kept thinking like if I lived it's it's just a little too steep and technical here for that to be like a bike that I would actually want to have because it, it wouldn't see enough use. But if I lived mm-hmm. in somewhere like Michigan or just somewhere where it, it was, you know, there were more snowmobile trails like in the winter because it could totally be like a mini fat bike. Like there's a mm-hmm. lot. It has a lot of mounts on it. You could bike pack with it. And it was just it just made me smile. Like it just, it just was the kind. Like I enjoyed riding it. It was just like this. This is a fun little bike, and for the right person, it will be the only bike that they need, and they'll do tons of things on it. And so it was just like, yeah, it was just, it was a joy to write up the review of it because I didn't have mm-hmm. to be like, okay, what am I going to say about this bike? I just don't know what I'm going to say about this bike. But yeah, it's just <laughs> like super, super pleasant surprise. Cool. Yeah, that's great to hear. I don't think bikes get touted off enough for just being pleasant to ride. I agree. I think that gets lost a lot. Yeah, it's just fun. The thing is just fun. Like, they, and if you if you don't if if you don't care about setting any land speed records, and you just want a bike that is, it's definitely durable. It's steel. You know, it's uh, five twenty or whatever. That yeah. I mean, it's it's not light, but it's also you know it rides well. It climbs well. It's got smart gearing it's got a dropper post uh yeah good bike yeah really really cool yeah it was cool yeah well i'm gonna refer our listeners back to the post that i actually wrote about this huffmaster hopper uh-huh um, yes you know the pictures I, I've alone been are really worth pleased it. with the comments that have been coming in uh <laughs> one of our east coast readers uh said they actually wanted to fly out <laughs> to do it next year. The pictures uh, were amazing. There was a, a desire to. I'm not sure if they'll commit to that, but yeah. uh, they were they were really impressed uh, with the event, uh, at least as I wrote about it. There was one little passage in there that I'm trying to make my peace with this. I don't like to blow my own horn in a certain sort of way. It feels egotistical to me, but I am a writer. This is what I do. And I recognize there are times where I write a passage that is a little better than other passages. And I, I really, I hit a little moment here. Um, I wrote, were anything to be planted on my departure? I'd ask for California poppies. I adore their bold yellow orange to deep orange blaze, a hue that doesn't apologize for its brilliance. You might say they fly their freak flag high, 
and with pride. And as a wildflower, they remain untamed and ever hopeful. Anything that can grow back undaunted year after year reflects the heart of a cyclist. That's lovely. I do love the poppies. <laughs> it's a oh, wonderful man. ode to poppies. I, yeah. When I'm in France, the red poppy is, you know, a thing of beauty. I adore them. They're just fantastic. But there's something about a California poppy that just has my heart. Oh, my gosh. It's, I mean, to me, they're like my kids. It's just I couldn't possibly love them anymore. <laughs> Dude. <laughs> you know, no. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I'm, I'm, I rarely am speechless, but Michael Pollan would be proud. I'll just leave it there. Oh, wow. Thanks. Uh, Okay. Now I'm the one who's speechless. What are you doing this weekend? Oh, I'm doing that Lulakawaka hundo. Oh, right, right, right. Yeah, that's on, that's on Sunday. It's kind of a bummer because I was hoping unreasonably hoping to double up. Uh, Brian has another one of his spring classics on Saturday, the flush buffoon. Um, and it's a really fun ride, but just logistically, I I, can't make it work. And, uh, yeah. So, and I'm, I've got a, a bike that I cannot yet speak about that I'm testing for Sunday. So that's exciting too. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. All righty. Stay tuned. Um, yeah. Yeah, I'll be. Yeah, you're doing your the, thing. Yeah, the longest, hardest grasshopper of the whole set is this weekend, Super Skags. So this is 96 miles with like 25 miles or so of dirt. Not a whole lot of dirt, but here's the thing: it's like 13,000 feet of climbing. It's the most technically difficult event I've ever ridden in my entire life. The last 10 miles aren't just dirt; they're single track at Lake Sonoma. And as I've described before, those trails resemble nothing so much as the mouth of a great white shark. <laughs> <laughs> I know uh, that well. I, I, um, I will confess that I'm actually a little bit scared. I'm, I'm a little bit excited because I'm in much better shape than I was this time last year. So I'm, I am eager to see how much time I can take off of last year's time. But I mean, this thing... There was there were points when I was on the single track near the end last year where I started laughing <laughs> due to the sheer absurdity yeah. of me going down something that was almost 20% with my stomach on my saddle. Yes, yeah. That's you know, those are the best bars. rides where you're just like, yeah. <laughs> I hope I live. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. All righty, everybody. Uh, hey, please keep those questions coming. You all have been sending great stuff. Don't stop now. Uh, if you've got an idea, just drop by RKP and put a suggestion in the comments or feel free to email us. Before we go, I'd like to put in a plug for RKP's other podcast, The Pull. The show features artisans talking about their craft in one-on-one interviews. Think Terry Gross for cyclists, or maybe even Joe Rogan. Um, <laughs> this week's show <laughs> is an interview with, uh, with your neighbor, Tom Kellogg of Spectrum oh, Cycles. Oh, nice. Oh, I love Tom. Yeah. Uh, and actually, it's going to be a two-parter because he and I had talked almost two hours. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's such a good soul. Yeah. And, you know, he's one of those people that I really genuinely learn new stuff from when I when I talk with him. That's awesome. So, yeah, uh, I'm, I'm really pleased with this one. 
We hope you've enjoyed the show. And if you have, please leave us a good review on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. It makes us easier for other listeners to find. Until next week, I'm Patrick Brady with Celine Yeager. Thanks for listening to The Pace Line.